find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello, and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. Not too long ago, I got an email from a couple of people who wanted me to check out their podcast. And their podcast is called Come With Us. Now, i got to tell you, my, my interest was peaked. It was. So I was working, and I was working on something that allowed me to, to listen to. So I went over, and I, I clicked on the podcast. And it was a very, very sexy story. And I was listening to one, and I believe it was titled The Cove. And I, I mean, anybody that knows me knows that I love anything set by the water. Love the ocean, love the water. So I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I, I shared it with a couple of friends of mine. Actually, men, I, I will let you know, since this is geared toward women, and they thoroughly enjoyed it. So I said, you know what? It would be interesting to, to bring them on the show and let them talk about what they're doing, and I, I will definitely let you um, have the link at some point during the show, and it will be on the show page also, so you all can check it out because you're going to want to listen to and we'll give you some information about what they're doing, why they're doing it, what they're sharing, and let you get to know them. Now, we we will give you their names, well, their their initials that they're using with with what they're doing. So, KJ, it's very good to have you all with me today. Thank you so Thanks much for much. having us. It, it's good job. to have you with me. Did, did I screw up anything yet? No, sounds perfect. <laughs> very, very kind. <laughs> yeah, you, you never know. You never know. <laughs> so, and if I do mess something up, let me know. Let me know. No worries. Beautiful introduction. Thank you very much. But, but the first question I was asked: Are you two a real couple? Oh, we are. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I forgot to ask you that. Just as, oh well, wait a minute. I was asked if you all are a real couple. Not that it's any of our business. No, no that's okay. It's such a valid question. We are a real couple, and uh, come with us. Kind of came out from us being a couple. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, let me let me tell you because they are the co-founders um, of Come With Us. And it says they create and connect women, and, and like I said, I, I've now proven some men, with free erotic audio stories that are both ethical and arousing. Good combination, okay. It says Jay realized he enjoyed stimulating Kay with words and imagination, and Kay was tired of morally compromised, seedy, and patriarchal porn. Thus, the two sexually liberated feminists created Come With Us. One can listen to their erotic audio stories via their podcast, which has seen a great deal of growth since it launched in October of 2020. Now, and like I said, we're going to give you all the information. Well, let me, no, no, no. If I give it to you now, you're going to leave. So, nope, not going to tell you right now. (laughs) You, You need to stay with us now, and then you can go listen. So, because we we got to tell you all kinds of fun stuff first. So, like I said, I, I the fact that that it was set by the water definitely helped. Mm. Definitely helped because I just I love the water. 
It always makes like, things better, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't it? Doesn't it? I just oh, love the love the water, love the ocean. So, how did you how did y'all start this? Um, I'll give this one to Jay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, coincidentally, um, Kay had gone back to Canada uh, in June, was it? I think. Yeah, June. And, um, and I, I was sat here and I, I decided to just type out like a bit of a sort of an erotic style story in text and thought, well, you know, that'd be a nice little wake up. Um, you're five hours behind and whatnot and see how you go with it. And it actually is our first story. Uh, if you go and check out the airport pickup, it, it's based off that. And, you know, it had a really good reaction from Kay. And, um, you know, I, I, I was like, well, there's got to be something out there where people can get this type of this kind of erotic audio, I guess. Someone's going to be able to listen to this. Someone's going to be able to find it. And there just really wasn't. All the stuff that was out there was all behind paywalls. And I was like, well, there's got to be a free resource out there. Um, and it kind of developed from that really, Kay, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there's so many ways when you're like, you know, I guess being long distance for a certain amount of time, there's only so many ways you can like express yourself like sexually to each other. Um, and that made us think about, well, how can people express themselves more through porn in like a different non-traditional sense? And as Jay said, all of the other porn that was audio for the most part that was good quality was behind a paywall. And we thought, how do we make it more accessible for everyone to be able to enjoy it? Right. Well, and you know, when when you're doing it for each other, you know what turns each other on. You you know the hot buttons for each other. Yeah, they like to think. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you like to think. <laughs> we hope. <laughs> well, and and when you're doing this kind of thing too, part of the fun is discovering new hot buttons for yeah. each other. You know, so well that that's like I mean. And, and so many times in the show, and, and like I, I wrote a, a little thing about, you know, kissing from head to toe. Part of the thing with that was, you know, discover new things that your partner likes. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the whole thing. There may be places that you, you always kiss on your partner, but, you know, here's here's 20 other ideas. You know, yeah. try it. Yeah. They don't like it. Don't do it again. You know, so and and you know they can they can try some of the things that y'all suggest in yours <laughs> you yeah know? no definitely and we kind of always joke that our stories and when we're writing them is a bit like foreplay for us <laughs> um so you know if we're both getting turned on while writing the story we know it's going to be a good one and um yeah hopefully to give people ideas we love the idea of people listening to it as a couple perhaps and maybe right. reenacting things or trying something different or listening to it together and, you know, self-pleasuring at the same time. There's so many ways you can use erotic audio that you can kind of play on fantasy and what you feel like doing at the time. Well, seriously, if you're, if you're writing or speaking erotica, if it's not turning you on, it's not going to turn the other people on, is my theory, right? Sure, sure. And what we find is... um. Like I guess normal type of porn would just like a visual representation of a fantasy. Like I think we try and encapsulate on we're setting up a story and we have a lot of character roles and put a bit of work into the character development. 
hopefully you can relate to those characters a little bit. So then you can put your imagination on it. And, you know, our brain is the most powerful kind of thing when it comes to thought and explanation, right? So, but we try and give you a story to follow, but really you're thinking about a beach that you've been on in the cove. Like you're thinking about stuff that you've made uh, similar sort of lapses with. So um, we really enjoy that part of it. It's okay that, you know, it's really up to your imagination. It's almost like reading a book at times. Like some people can hear it in different ways and appreciate it in different things based on what they've done or it could spark an interest with them as well. So we, we find that a real good aspect of it. Well, <clears throat> that's true. And I mean, you know, okay, when when I write and I've, I've written a lot. Um, I like to give enough to kind of give the reader what I have in mind, but I want to give them room, too, to fill in the details the way they want to. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That's very similar to what we like to do. We give, you know, minimal descriptions and kind of lead people into a way of thinking, but it can, you know, it really is half in your imagination and your own mind. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't, I don't want to set them <clears throat> in the exact place that's my choice. I want them, and especially with this kind of stuff, okay, I want them, I mean, I, I okay, let's take the code for example, okay. I want them at a cove, okay, and, and the sun overhead and the water and, and the rocks and all this sort of thing, but they know what else is going to be around that's going to arouse them. Yeah. Right? So I'm going to give them that space to create the atmosphere they need. Exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. It's Painting right. a picture and letting someone enter into that picture and change it however they kind of like, as opposed to right. telling people this is going to turn you on, this is what you want, which we find mainstream porn very much does. And it can kind of wear away at people, and then people keep needing to have different, more harsh porn to look at, whereas with your mind, you can always tweak it to what you want, and it's always going to be different. Well, I think everything does that. I mean, I I hate picking up any kind of any kind of a book or story, or whatever, that that gives me every single little detail. It's like no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I I have a very vivid imagination. I don't need you to give me every detail. You know, it, it's like the the dumbing down of America or the whatever. You know, mm-hmm. don't give me every detail. I don't need everything in your head. Just like when I create characters or setting or whatever, I don't give the reader every detail of everything because they don't need that. I want to stimulate their imagination. You know, and especially in erotica, you want to stimulate the reader. Let Literally. them give give them enough to get their imagination and their juices flowing. And let that take over, you know. So, just my theory. Definitely. And, um, yeah, we, I, we think we both probably have a slightly different writing style, but um, they end up coming out at least with a lot of context to start with, I think, and and into some of the, the naughtier stuff, I guess. And um, that's when your kind of mind travels. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
<laughs> we're actually um, we actually just put together like a little sort of quickie kind of shorter series um, that gets straight into stuff. So we're interested to see what people's responses to that. Do people prefer the builder of uh, the scenario, or do they like the straight in action? So we're looking forward to seeing how that that comes out. Because I think the one I listened to was like fifteen to twenty minutes, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was one of our okay. finales, yeah, so they tend to be a bit longer. Okay, okay. So your writing styles are different. Tell, tell me how, what's, what's yours, Kay? Oh, my writing style. I, I sometimes get a bit, um, I really do like to write a pretty long intro to stories. I really like placing the characters so you can really feel like you're in their world. Um, I really enjoy that, um, and I focus on that a lot. Uh, we, I try to put descriptions in of people, but not too much, because, again, you don't want to, you know, just keep giving the typical types of descriptions for the people you see in porn, right? Like, women right. have, like, are thin, they have big boobs, blonde hair. Like, we, I just put, <laughs> you know, little things in, and we like to create our, like to create our characters with different body shapes, you know, different personalities. Um, so I really enjoy getting into the characters and telling it from a narrative perspective. So I like mm-hmm. to narrate what the characters are doing. And if you listen to a couple of our stories, you'll notice that we use different narration styles in each because we want to open it up to what lots of different people enjoy as opposed to sticking to one narrative. Um, but I know, Jay, you can probably talk about this. I know you enjoy using the first person quite a lot. Yeah, Um I find it just a bit easier to, to talk through. So we actually just did a good story um, where one of the characters is reliving a, a memory. So it allows you to go back into that kind of world and tell it in a good first person. Um, one of the issues I always have is when you get too into it, sometimes the tense goes. So you've got to definitely go back yeah. over and edit it after. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you're showing it, but yeah, I, I much prefer the first person and the, the things someone's seeing and uh, interacting with the world that you're creating for them. Yeah, Jen's, Jen's going to be a pain in the neck. <laughs> I'm hearing you. <laughs> you. You get so into what you're writing, it is a, it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> you know? yeah. Okay, I'm telling you, it's not just me. <laughs> yeah, no, I always kind of get after him for that because I do the... Um, Jay does a lot of the technical editing, and I do a lot of the written editing um, because I used to, I've done lots of stuff where I've edited like PhD theses for people and stuff. So I really love grammar. And so, I mean, I want our stories to be really good quality, but Jay just can get so into it. He changes like three tenses in the story, and I'm like, you can't do this. <laughs> it's taking me hours to edit. So when he's writing, I have to like message him or tell him, I'm like, are you in the same tense? <laughs> yeah. You've got to write when you've got the flow right. I think there was a period where I was about three or four mornings I was getting up at like 5.36. I just had like a spurt of inspiration mm. and just went with it. And then by 7.30, I had no idea what I'd written, but <laughs> Casey sorted it out. Yeah, I when when I write like that, my, my tenses are all just all over the place. And then I go back and read and go, Oh, I gotta fix it. <laughs> okay, well, it's good to know. Not just you, Jay. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, 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 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you you would remind sometimes to go, what in the world was she thinking? Uh, <laughs> but no, I I I get well. There's there's been times where, especially in my novels, and my my publisher will send something back to me, and I'm I'll, I'll read a chapter and go, damn, that's good. I mean, I think yeah. I wrote it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Don't even yeah. remember writing entire yeah. entire scenes, entire chapters, you know. But uh, but that's when like I'm I'm really 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 in a groove. And I mean, people can knock on the door, and I don't hear them. You know, you sound really similar to Jay because he's yeah. he's very much the same. I think. We were in the Golden Story a couple of weeks back, and I was like, I don't remember any of this. I was just in the flow and just going with it. But yep. you know, that's how it is. If it works, it works, right? Yeah, you know, that's they're they're just certain scenes, and like I said, I I don't remember writing them, but yeah. Wow, it's good. <laughs> no, it is. It's amazing. I used to feel like that about essays at school. I'd like hand it in and be like, oh, it's not great. And then I'd get it back like a couple of weeks later and I'd be like, damn, this is good. <laughs> I know. It's, I tell you, just, it, just the, the, the mind just takes over and it's like, wow. Definitely. But, and for us, it's really important um, with our content that our characters are really humanized and they have a backstory, right? They're not just physical right. bodies. They're not just right. uh, things, sexual objects without faces. So we do put a lot of time into making, you know, story trees about how our characters are developing and who they're interacting with, which I think doesn't happen a lot in mainstream porn. So if you really enjoy one of the characters, you can kind of follow their personal journey, their sexual journey as well. Um, so the storytelling aspect is very important to us. Right, right. Very true. I try to do that because I, I write some erotica. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't had the nerve to release it yet because I'm, I'm still <laughs> tweaking it. It's not quite where I want it yet, no but I've, I've done that. And, uh, mm-hmm. of course, I'm going to release mine under a different name that, of course. Only, only some people know. But, yeah. um, well, it's fun, it's fun to play around with it, too, though. Yep. Yep, definitely just change it up and see what works and what people like. Yeah. Well, and, and getting feedback from people is so much fun. So I definitely agree with that. So mm-hmm. um, so for people that don't know, what do you consider ethical porn? Because mm-hmm. people are probably going, ethical, what? Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, So basically, this idea of porn is people's like fantasies played out on the screen. I think it's important to understand what porn is first before we even go into what makes it ethical. Um, You know, porn is made for the intent of sexual pleasure, but it can be very subjective. So what one person considers porn, another person could consider not porn. You know, people with foot fetishes. Um, they might see feet in like a sexual way, whereas another person won't. So porn is really subjective. Um, people have different tastes and fantasies, um, and that's why we kind of enjoy using audio porn because, as we discussed, it helps people visualize what they want, what turns them on. Um, but I think what we noticed is people are kind of looking for something a bit more authentic, real, and relatable for their porn as opposed to just supporting these big organizations that have really horrible ethics and morals, such as Pornhub, which has had a lot of issues with um, its content and the moderation of its content, um, so much that Visa and MasterCard are actually pulling out and won't let their customers 
purchase um, Pornhub memberships with their cards anymore because there has been issues of child exploitation, rape, um, and other criminal uh, issues being filmed and released on Pornhub. So ethical porn is kind of the antithesis of Pornhub. It's porn that doesn't harm anyone during the creation of it or after the creation of it. Um, and we are um, ethical in two different ways. Um, it's content. So content of ethical porn, we believe, shouldn't have sexual exploitation and it should provide people with an authentic story um, where women or men aren't used as sexual objects. Um, and the way that we produce it also is ethical. So we write, record, and publish all of our stories. No one is exploited in that process. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't heard that about Pornhub, but I okay, I can believe that. Um, uh, it came out this last week, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of different industries are are have, now have a a subgroup that's doing things ethically. So I, it just it's it's interesting to see what they're doing differently that makes mm. them an ethical subgroup of the, of the industry. <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, how, let me see, how do I want to ask this? Um, some people just have a very um, negative feeling period about porn. Mm -hmm. How I oh, I'm gonna get myself in trouble with this, but I'm gonna say That's it anyway. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, with with the listeners, not with you. Um, well, with some listeners. Um, I have a kind of a issue with people that have just a kind of a blanket issue with porn, mm -hmm. but they're okay with say Fifty Shades of Grey. Mm -hmm. Or your your typical really hot bodice rapper, ripper, and they're like, oh, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't see like a really that. big difference with those two things. This is the the conversation around, I suppose, what is sex work, isn't it? Really, like as much as a stripper is, or anything else. So I think that's where people are not sure where their line sits. But I think if you're willing to explore one avenue, um, say the, the literotica side of things, like that's where hopefully your mind gets opened up a little bit. So is there like soft versions of the sex work industry that people are okay with, but people aren't okay with like the more physical hard um, sort of versions? I think this is the, the question that gets opened up with, with this thing here. This, this is more with people that have an issue with like their husbands watching porn, mm -hmm. but then they'll turn right around and read Fifty Shades of Grey or Bodice Ripper. Mm -hmm. right. What's the difference? What's the difference between those two things? So I think that there are a couple differences, but also a couple similarities in those things. So Fifty Shades of Grey, the only reason that we accept it culturally is because the man in it is rich, which goes back to this idea of like the man being a provider and the woman is quite subservient to him, which if we look at like feminist values and such, it doesn't really align and it's actually not very liberating. 
for people to read. However, when however when that book is being created, um, there's no person being abused in order for someone to make money off that. However, there's possible after effects of that. However, I think if someone is using porn and watching Pornhub, they are knowingly supporting a company who has oppressed and hurt people in order to make money. Does that make sense? I think okay, porn, porn um, is very porn specific is, in what okay. you're consuming. Okay, Pornhub, let's forget Pornhub. Yeah. Okay, we're, we're talking a, a man watch, just watching porn, period. Okay? Mm-hmm. A, a man that is over 18 has a right to watch what he wants to in his home. He does. Legally, he does. Okay? As long and, as he's not watching something illegal. As long as it's not illegal. Yes, yeah. he does. Yes. Okay. I don't think his wife has a right to tell him he can't. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I, would agree, I would agree with you. I think people suppress porn mm-hmm. and don't talk about it. And I think porn can also be very educational and empowering for both women and men. Um, you know, if too. men are, are watching porn that it is empowering to women, then maybe they will see women less as sex objects. Um, you know, if women are watching porn, they know how to get themselves off. They know how to tell their partner how to get themselves off. You know, watching the yeah. right porn and educating young women about it actually gives them a lot of power because they know what they like sexually and they can ask that from their partners and they're less at risk of being completely dominated and being told what to do by the younger men who are just watching porn and think that's the right way. So I definitely sure. think important can be empowering for women sure. and men. Well, and, and like I said, I think it's hypocritical for a woman to say, you can't watch that and get off, but I'm going to, I'm going to read this and get off. Mm. I, I just think it's hypocritical. Mm. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, as long as you are not hurting anyone with your actions, that yeah. the morality surrounding porn is not an issue. And that's what we're trying to bring in. We're trying to bring porn yeah. that men and women know they can go to, they know it's moral and they know they can even interact with each other with it. So they don't have to be in separate rooms watching different things. Of course, if you want right. to do that, there's nothing wrong with it. But that's also that right. idea of normalizing sexuality. The more we repress it, the more dangerous it becomes right. to people because people won't right. know their rights. People won't know right. what they like and what's right and what's wrong. I think porn should be discussed in school. Yeah. Well, in a healthy way, I think it should be. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, the longer it's not discussed yeah. in the schools, in relationships, by couples, whatever, or yeah. it's just demonized, yeah. then it, it can't be consumed in a healthy way. And there's there's a whole lot of couples who could use that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> just I think so. I think, yeah. I think a lot of couples just need more communication in general. And, well, you know, that's hopefully. true, too. Yeah, completely. Or maybe agree. maybe our point could be a way of opening that up for people as well. I don't know what you think, Jay, but well, it's an interesting one because often when we spoke, like your your first kind of sexual experience is probably stumbling across some porn on the internet or somebody showing you a video. So often creates that, get often creates that sort of unrealistic expectation of what sex is, doesn't it? So you know, if if you're not discussing it at an early age, how are you gonna? sort of realign those views of uh, young boys and change the way you you portray sex in school. Like, I still remember my sex education in school. It involved putting, you know, condoms over bananas. Like, I know. <laughs> like, yeah, 
and you know it seems to be other people's experience as well but how good would it be if you know you empowered people to i guess embrace what real sex looks like at a young age how different that would look in terms of the feminist movement for males as they grow up uh, respecting women more respecting that they you know can have pleasure and it's not just about them the male gaze like so that's what we think if we can offer something that's bit more real is there an right. opportunity that you, you might reach someone at you know their first experience might be something different and right. ultimately then a, quite a bit more equality at a younger age but it's, it's, also te- it's, also, it's also teachers as well teachers feeling comfortable to and parents feeling comfortable to engage with children if they don't feel comfortable then you know you're, you're falling at the first hurdle aren't you really so it's uh it's all about a systemic shift i think it's it's a shame I didn't know you two when because um, I've I've posted things a couple of times on my Facebook page and asked like um, did your parents ever have the talk with you and the number of people that were irate their parents never had the talk but then turned right around when I said did you have the talk with your kids and they said hell no and I'm like okay wow. whoa 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 <laughs> mm, that's okay so you. Your parents didn't have the talk with you, but you're not going to have the, parent, the talk with your kids? Seriously? You know, so you're just going to continue. Hard to break the cycle. Seriously. Yeah. It, it, I, hmm. Okay. <clears throat> you know. And if you think about it, like, information is only power. Like, because yeah. you talk to children, I think there's such a conservative kind of notion that talking to kids about sex is going to may mean they're going to have more sex and bad sex. But really, you're just equipping them to deal with sex properly and responsibly exactly. so they don't hurt themselves or anyone else. Not talking about it, you know, creates this deep, dark, underground version of things. It's, yeah. it's you know, it, it empowers cr- criminals. It empowers the people doing it wrong. So... In order to have, yeah, in order to make it, it makes, okay and not shameful, we need to have open conversations with our kids about it. It makes them more curious, but it also makes them unprepared, mm-hmm. right? Makes it yeah. much more likely for them to screw it up and have a problem, and it makes them much more likely to get pregnant yeah. because they're like, well, if if I buy condoms, that means I'm intending to have sex, and that's a bad thing. Yeah. So then... If they do get in a situation where they do something that they know they're going to regret, the likelihood is they're going to get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I, I actually have survey results. Or get an STI. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, you know, not, not preparing your kids and acting like sex is a horrible, awful thing. I mean, you're, you're doing multi-generational damage yeah. by doing that, you know? I, I agree. Well, and how many... And I, I know this for a fact. How many people never get past that kind of indoctrination when they're a teenager? You yeah. know, and, and they never have a healthy sex life. You know, yeah. they end up in their their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, and never have a healthy sex life. That's it's insane. It should be one of the great great parts of your life, just like enjoying food. Like sex and food are both such natural things for humans to do, and there's just mm. been so much shame instilled around it. Well, especially when, when that's how you grow up, and that's beat in your head, and it literally is in some situations beat in your head that sex is such a bad thing. 
And I mean, it. I I can't even explain to you in the time we have left how hard it is to get past that mm. when it's it's just something that that is just I don't know another way other than than beat in your head, you know that that whole guilt and shame crap that's done, yeah. you know, in in getting past that and getting to the point where you can have a healthy mentality about sex after that is incredibly difficult. Yeah, someone once told me they're like, you know, some of the best kids that grow up are the people that, that go to dinner with their parents and interact with other adults and you prepare them for social situations in the world. I think in everyone with a education and, you know, having a, a social life and interacting with people is an important thing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, on, on that notion, you're preparing people for the, the world, what the world's going to be like and how they're going to interact with it. But then when you come to the sexual side of it, you know, education is repressed and it's like almost like a, a contrary view that you shouldn't educate and you shouldn't you know really promote things and you know those conversations aren't to be had with people at a certain age so it's quite interesting how we have this dichotomy of education is really important in every other facet of life but we're not going to prepare you sexually instead yeah. instead we're going to shame you for it and tell you how bad it is it, it's a natural part of life and it's it's part of life that you're going to have to stop having sex so people, educators need to come to terms with that, and countries and nations and people who control education systems have to come to terms with that. So how do we make it the best experience possible for these people? We can't live right. in these, you know, really old school views of it. Um, we need to, you know, if you're always in the cave, you'll never know how to handle it when there's rain outside. So prepare people for that rain. They can there you it. go. I like it. Like I said, I, I just see it very hypocritical when one spouse says you can't do this, but they're doing the very same thing just with a different medium. Mm-hmm. So that was my point. Definitely. No, I, I think it's it's true. And I think that just goes back to communication and people really knowing oh, yeah. what their partner would like and talking to people because that's the only way they'll know. <laughs> talking? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> But 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 that's like talking about sex. Oh, oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Okay. <laughs> that's uh my gracious, I can't imagine. Okay. <laughs> so creating empowering porn. We've kind of talked about that. Mm-hmm. How can people use the podcast that y'all have in an empowering way for themselves because mm-hmm. they they can listen themselves and enjoy mm-hmm. how can they use it with their partners in an empowering way because i i'm all for communicating and collaborating with your partner to stimulate your relationship so how can they use your podcast with their partner in an empowering way I think there's a few ways of doing it. You know, if people are a bit afraid of communication, you know, you could start off by saying, here's the podcast, listen to this, you know, by yourself even, I'll listen to it and we'll say what stories turn us on the most. So even just talking about what turns them on when they're listening to it, that could be a gateway for communication. Um, You know, saying, I really enjoy this 
story about, you know, outdoor sex. I think that's something I'd love to explore. Um, and right, that just, it sparks a conversation. So that's like, I think would be the first stage. I think the second stage is maybe listening to it with one another and using it kind of as foreplay, kind of like <laughs> right. I've used it in the past, um, <laughs> just to kind of get into that actual mood, right? And you could also use things that have happened in it and say, ooh, let's try that together or have it on in the background and see mm-hmm. just as having the sound on can help you focus on, you know, how your body's feeling um, and kind of, you know, maybe break the ice for some people as well because they just say a lot of people have um, sex with the lights off. Um, but this could be a way of, you know, having sex with the lights on, but having something in the background to kind of break that ice. Um, we're also playing with the idea of coming out with an instructive kind of series where it would kind of dictate um, playing with your partner. So we'd be interested to hear what maybe you have to say about that. <laughs> I would like it. I like that. And I'll tell you what else I was thinking too. If you had thought that maybe this 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 is crazy. Are you ready for this? Yeah. If if you had thought that maybe you had fantasized about having sex with another couple or somebody else mm-hmm. in the room, mm-hmm. then have it on and listen to it while you're having sex with your partner. Mm. Definitely. Definitely. Hundred yeah. percent. And if and if coming right out and you know we're we're doing these things that have double entendres while we're talking about this. Um but if if Talking about it verbally with your partner is, is too much of a stretch immediately. You could take a piece of paper and you could jot down what you like and put it in a jar or a bowl and then let your partner pick it out and look at it and then discuss it. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, if you want to kind of ease. Definitely. Definitely. I guess that first ease is just almost open your, your eyes up to certain things. So right. we've got a story coming out which we talk about progressing a storyline of, you know, um, male anal penetrative play and how there's a lot of stigma around that. But there's numbers out there to suggest males absolutely love that. And that's great. You know, there's a, there's a G-spot there for a reason. And there's a lot yeah. of stigma around it. So how can mm-hmm. you ease someone into the story? So we have a, you know, we have a story that we is a first sort of interaction maybe and then like there'll be a few more interactions as we build someone's character as they explore that so i guess that's how we're trying to empower people to show look nobody nobody jumps straight into sex wings right like there's a point where people build up and you know they get used to things and you know they explore so if we can offer you a maybe a step into no sorry a door handle to open so you can make that first step and you can find your own way and you know here's maybe a suggestive route um, maybe that's an empowering thing too. You, you mean if you wanted to slide it into the conversation? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Take, take the pun when it comes. <laughs> the name is a pun in itself, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too many of those we've done, and I, I just, I love so many slide. I couldn't yeah. help it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> We, we just hope to normalize the conversation around yeah. people's Exactly. How, how good would it be if you're in a pub or a bar somewhere and you could just talk to your friend about something and 
that just becomes the norm. And then, you know, we think when people are sexually liberated, they're more empowered to make their own decisions in other aspects of life as well, more confident. We just talked about the repression of education and sex, like people are empowered and, and in charge of their own decisions and have choices and feel like they can, you know, do as they freely, freely want to. I think that's where you get necessarily more happy people. So hopefully we can make a little bit of a dent into that as well. Well, you know, talking to other people about sex seems to be easier for a lot of people than talking to their partner. Mm, interesting. I had yeah. no idea about that. Huh. Well, well, okay, okay. How many men are going to come home and talk to their partner, but they'll talk about sex in the locker room? Jay? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. But then I, you've got to ask the question of what they're talking realistically about in the locker room. Like, okay, now I didn't say realistically. I'm just talking yeah, talk about yeah. sex. Yeah. Okay, and well, how many how many women that, how many women go out to lunch with their friends and talk about sexual sexual things? Mm-hmm. But how many of them will come home and have a conversation with their partner about sex? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's important <laughs> that people kind of like what Jay was saying like what realistic conversations are people having because, you know, like a lot of that stuff maybe for show and you're not actually getting into the nitty gritty of of sex and liberation and it wouldn't it be great if you could talk to your friends about oh I tried this and it was really great and she really liked this or he really liked this and then bring that conversation back to your partner and kind of sexually enlighten each other at the pub like I think that would be really beautiful there's got to be a way and I don't know if you want to say your partner enjoyed it because that's a little too much sharing Um, but, you know, maybe you saw an article or you saw something, you saw something on Facebook, you know, um, and, and just kind of seeing what other people think about certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, well, yeah, there should definitely be an aspect of consent before you talk about your partner's sex life without them there. And I think that's, again, another communicative thing. Are you okay if I talk about this with my friends or are you not? That's just a question in itself. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I had a huge conversation with somebody about that. I said, you you told somebody what? You know, so, yeah, that that got ugly. Um, But... There's got to well, okay. Let me let me tell you about an article that I saw one time, and I I commented, and <laughs> I was banned from the site forever, but that's okay because I just kind of stumbled across it. Um, but I w- it was it was an ultra ultra conservative site, but and I was I don't even remember what I was looking up, and I stumbled across it. But there was a woman, and it was like I said, ultra conservative site. And it was a, a religious group that you you were definitely supposed to be a virgin when you were married. And she had assumed that, that her husband was a virgin when they were married. And it was one it was an arranged marriage. And after after about six months, he had come to her and and wanted to tell her that and, and they, they weren't in love when they got married. They were just set up. But after six months he came to her and wanted to tell her that he had he had grown to love and trust her so much that he felt he could trust her with with a secret 
you know, and so what he did is he told her that um, when he was younger, um, he actually had had sex with someone, but, and, and he, he was apologizing that he hadn't told her before. He said he just, he didn't trust her before because he didn't know her, but now he did, and, and he wanted him, her to know this about him. And she was she posted this long blog post ranting and raving and bitching and moaning and how could he have deceived her like this and she didn't think she could stay with him and just I mean she, wow and in my view I thought after six months to love her that much that he trusted her was something that could be that destructive to their life in the community and the religion, I thought was amazing. And then he trusted her to that degree to go to her and share that with her. I thought was was very good. And mm-hmm. it, it showed how much he loved her. But, I mean, she was just going off. And, of course, all the other women were siding with her and all this kind of thing. What do you two think? In what aspects? About his actions and her reaction. Mm-hmm. I think that there is actually an issue, overlying issue with this idea of virginity, that we're pure before sex and, you know, dirty after something's wrong with us, after something's been taken. So I think that first thing that that comes to my mind. Yeah, that that mentality irritates me to know it. It's very shame-inducing and shameful. Um, But, you know, going deeper into the question, I think, you know, he was communicating, opening up, and doing the right thing. But maybe this woman has also been taught that that's how she's supposed to react. Maybe, you know, as well. She I don't know. Yeah. She was. But I, I think if, if she had actually come to care about him, that should have superseded that. For sure. Well, I'd be interested also to see how it concluded, perhaps. Maybe she heard, that was her initial reaction. Like you said, when people write it down, they have a time to process it. Um, and I wonder if, you know, they were able to work through that and process it together afterwards. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, well, by the time I saw it, it was a month or two later, and she was, she was still going off about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, well, I was, I was raised in that kind of atmosphere. Yeah. And um, yeah. I just, I couldn't believe. Couldn't, yeah. <laughs> couldn't deal with it. You're, you're kind of missing the big picture here, woman. But yeah, for sure. I think, you know, it, what he did was brave and hard and, you know, I good for him for doing what, living his values. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I thought. And like I said, is in that kind of community, that, that could have easily meant he lost everything. Yep, that's very Absolutely brave. Absolutely everything. And and all of his family. I mean, he could have been completely. Actually, he probably was completely kicked out and lost everybody and everything. Terrific. <laughs> Terrific. But what do you think, Jay? I think it's an interesting one because if, if it was on the other foot, um, I mean, how would she like him to respond in that scenario? You know, you you, you has he deceived her to some level? But you know, if there's a cultural expectation. To, to to make sure you are seen as a virgin, you you're not going to say otherwise, are you? Because you've fallen before you you've got running. So yeah. it, it's an interesting one. If if the shoe was on the other foot, how how would she expected to be trapped and, and reacted to? Um, it it comes down to the idea again that you know we're shaming people for 
for look, uh, wanting to explore. We should probably always look a little bit inside first before we start looking outwards, shouldn't we? When we look yeah. about these things. Um, yeah. I, I just thought it, it revealed a whole lot about her and a whole, well, a whole lot about him too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, wow. <clears throat> it's interesting that things are so private initially, but then as soon as there's something you're not quite happy with, you're happy to make the public. Right? You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I, I thought it was really, really gutsy of him. Yeah. And sure. really petty of her, but that's yeah. just. Yeah, well, it goes back to this idea of living your values, right? He lived his values. He believed that was right, and, um, you know, people just have to live that in every aspect of their life, um, yeah. even if it's not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I I get that's how she was raised. I get that's how the community and the religion sees it. I'm just I'm I I think that the relationship should have meant more than that, but obviously it didn't to her. Mm-hmm. Sad. Yeah. Yep. Okay, normalizing sexuality. Now, I think that conversations open, honest, factual conversations would do a whole lot to help that. Yep. I I sadly don't see that happening in the foreseeable future. I would like to, and I would like to help that happen. Um, and I, I work really hard to get people as guests that I verify and vet and make sure know what they're talking about. <laughs> to of course, help of course, of course. Um what what else do y'all think would help normalize sexuality? Mm. Well, you got to fail. Like you can't if you if you don't go and try something and fail first, and you know not get something right or you know not enjoy something initially, you you got to fail. Like I know me personally, talking is not a natural thing, but I've failed it a lot in you know pre previous years. And it is until failing that I've learned to be more open, which allows me to be a lot more empowered in, in my sexuality. So I think you've got to encourage people to fail, and it would be okay to fail first. Mm. It's okay to be uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for people to realize that, yeah, a lot of things in life are going to be uncomfortable, but the reward that you get from that and the clarity and the growth you get from that is incredible. Um, Normalizing sexuality, it, it, you know, it starts at a personal level. Like, what have you been taught? Like, looking at yourself, what have you been taught to think about sex? What's your upbringing? But what mm-hmm. do you actually feel aside from all of those things? And then also the education you're getting, as we've talked about, and then also socially, you know, making it okay to talk. I think it's quite interesting because if you think about it, we're all going under pseudonyms right now, right? So we all have aliases because we don't feel comfortable enough in our society and safe and protected and not judged in order to reveal our true identities, which is quite sad, but it's unfortunately something that the world has to catch up on. True. Let me tell you the thought that I got because the the listeners know that I'm I'm working on a book with with Dr. Susan Kay Mm -hmm. called Am I Normal If? And mm-hmm. she, her, her practice is working with people that have the concern about whether they're normal. And there's, yeah. there's a whole lot of aspects to our life that we may feel that we're not normal. And yeah. I, I think it really boils down to do I fit in? 
a, a lot of her stuff focuses more on like uh, gender, sexuality, this sort of thing. And one of the things, it, it, this just kind of completely hit me out of the blue when I was looking over the notes for, for the show today. And I, I love when, when something new for the book hits me. And <laughs> this, this, is, this was rough. I haven't, I haven't refined this or edited this or anything, but this was kind of my thought. And, and actually, I just got an email back from her that she, she loved this. So I'm curious what you two think. So I'm thinking, if we're comfortable and at peace with ourselves and who we are, if we truly love ourselves as we are, do we have the same need and concern around whether we're normal and if we fit in? Mm. That's very poignant. So what do you I think, think? I think you're right. I think how we see ourselves in the world or mm-hmm. how we think the world sees us is a direct reflection of how we see ourselves. Yes. So I would agree with you in that sense. If we have confidence in ourselves and our own values and we know we try our best to live our values every day and have confidence in that, then we can bring that confidence to other people and help them normalize their ideas of sexuality, right? So you have to help Mm -hmm. yourself before you can help anyone else. And it's getting to know what your personal makeup is that can then bring that further into other people's lives. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, just I I don't care if I fit in. I I like being unusual and one of a kind. I like that. I like my individuality. Of course, and we all are like that, but we just need to realize that that's a positive thing, not a negative thing. Because it's scary to sometimes know your true self and express that. Yeah, I mean, I rejection. If you if you're really yourself and you get rejected, it hurts more than if you're pretending to be someone else, I think, as well. <laughs> True. True. Well, it's like, I, you know, every, everybody wants to slap a label on somebody, you know, and yeah. I'm like, they I don't, those don't fit. <laughs> you know, you don't have a label that fits. They're so constrictive, especially in terms yeah. of sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. Especially. You know, but it, and like I said, that that just hit me while I was talking, while I was thinking about this whole normalizing sexuality, and I'm like, you know, if in, in loving ourselves, and once once we, and I mean, we all have doubts. I'm not going to say that that once once you love yourself, everything is perfect. And no. I mean, I'm I'm not a Pollyanna. It, <laughs> got way too many things. I'm I'm you know way way too many issues, especially health wise, to to be a Pollyanna. But if if we my program is love accept and respect yourself mm-hmm. so love yourself accept the flaws because we all have them and respect yourself and mm. insist that other people respect us you know so if if we can do those three things and i worked really hard on those three things figuring out which ones that you know what what's this, what the important things were if we can do those a whole lot of the rest of it's going to fall in place you know, because like I said, if, if you respect yourself, you're going to insist that other people respect you. And you're not going to put up with people disrespecting you. It's amazing just what that solves because you're not going to put up with the crap. You're just yeah. not. Yeah, you know. and you won't become a victim and you won't continue with exactly. sexual abuse. And, um, yeah, it's only positive. Like thinking – I always like to say this to people that thinking badly of yourself 
does nothing to help anyone in the entire world. So mm-hmm. let's just right. stop doing that because it has no right. utility anywhere for anyone. Exactly. I, I did that for I, I did that for well, I, I knew that people were going to pick on me. So I would pick on me first. It didn't hurt quite as bad if I did it, you know, and if and if I did it preemptively, yeah. it kind of took the wind out of their sails. Yeah, you know? yeah of course. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and with my my love coach training, a big part of that was not judging other people. And it's like, well, if I can't judge them, I can't judge me. That was huge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people do that with the pre with the judging themselves about different things. Especially if, if you were raised in, in the whole shame and guilt thing, you know. And and just stopping that is huge for people. Yes. So it can be it can be a sexual revolution in in terms and then a, you know, if you mm-hmm. love yourself sexually, then you can love every part of yourself as well. And yeah. uh hopefully we can yeah. give the people positive tools to do that and say there's no shame in it and you deserve to have pleasure exactly it's amazing well and and having i've done a couple shows talking about even even having sexual confidence doesn't just mean being confident in the bedroom and like sexual intimacy there it includes a whole lot of other things you know, mm-hmm. and and you can see somebody that's confident sexually and they have like this this it factor about them, you know, and and you don't really know what it is about them. And they don't there have no to be, drop, <laughs> well, they don't have to be drop dead gorgeous, nope. but there's just something that draws you to the person and you're like, wow. That's their but, energy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and like you talk about this in your podcast with Courtney Long that I listened to. And you were talking about yes. that confidence yeah. is just so radiant and someone's fulfillment clearly comes through when they're exactly. part of their life sorted. But then exactly. as you were mentioning that uh, in that podcast that you were talking so much about the health benefits of like reducing stress, anxiety, like mm-hmm. increasing your immune system, like right. about like the mental side of life, you know, so if, if you do something that's, you know, positive and empowering yourself, it does have a knock-on effect, be it, be it sexually or, you know, having positive mental health routines, like, they're all kind of interlinked, aren't they, like, and, you know, one goes down, the others go down as well. Well, I'll tell you what, I have, and we're out of time, so, I'll tell you what, do you want to give your website addresses? Yeah, of course. Um, so basically, you can find us at comewithus.co.uk. Come is spelled C-U-M. Um, so it's kind of a play on words. Come with us on this journey. <laughs> um, you can find our podcast, Come With Us, on any of the main podcast channels. Um, we're on Spotify, Apple, Google, Podbean. Um, but you can also listen to our stories right on our webpage at C-U-M-W-I-T-H-U-S.co.uk. Well, I enjoyed having you guys with me today. I, I hope y'all had a good time and I hope the listeners got good stuff and, and definitely check out definitely check out their podcast, you all. You will enjoy. And you all keep doing what you're doing. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Thank so, you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure um to chat with you today. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thanks for reaching out. And listeners, I'll be with you next time on Ready for Love Radio.